how was the haunted hayride? The haunted hayride was only okay. Oh. I mean, it was fun. It was fine. I think I could handle like a real haunted house. I don't think the haunted hayride was maybe so much for you, although it was like not scary at all. But there were like like people jumping out and stuff, but it wasn't scary. I was going to be like, was it very haunted? No. The whole thing was like it was themed around this town in like the 80s and something creepy is going on with the town, but there was no cohesive storyline as far as the haunted hayride went. And I was just like, hmm, a lot of bad shit is happening to this town. I would maybe move. Okay, wait, what town? Is it like a Neptune situation? A lot of Um, bad shit is happening? It's a town called like Midnight Falls. And it was, yeah, like everyone in the town is basically a monster. There's all this like weird shit, like werewolves in the forest. That's as far as I got for storyline. Oh, I see. Most of the actors on the hayride were not miked. So it was like a less effective sort of storytelling yes the best part though was the trick-or-treat maze which i didn't know was like a thing but apparently you go through and they have like these little like facades of houses and you ring the doorbell and the monsters open the door and then you say trick-or-treat and they give you candy oh that's cute it was really cute and quite fun for like the first few little things but then they let through like a bunch of teens and that was less fun also the monsters ran out of candy and i was like what was even the point of this oh that's disappointing it was disappointing (laughs) Um, should we do Welcome to Romcomathon? <laughs> Welcome to Romcomathon. I'm Kat. And I'm Alex. And today we're here to talk about Sleepless in Seattle. A classic, I guess. Uh, yes. A movie that I felt was not for us. Maybe, yeah. Maybe not for us. I didn't hate it as much as I thought I would, though. I would like to acknowledge before we get started that, yes, our audio quality has dropped a little bit. Um, so we've just switched spaces for recording and, um, so yeah, bear with us. So no, I didn't like exactly have a bad time. I think I was just like, as a romantic comedy, this is not for me or presumably you. It wasn't my favorite. I was a little put out to realize that they were not going to meet until the end of the film. Yep. And I watched it with Alex who had already seen it. And Alex was like, I don't, I don't know why you chose to watch this thing, basically. But I was like, well, I mean, it was a romantic comedy. Yes, and it's a famous one that gets referenced. Like, I was remembering that Mindy Project season finale where they do the Empire State Building thing. And I was like, oh, I see. I see how it is. But yes, I think there's a reason we haven't watched this movie. Yeah, I mean, aside from the fact that it was too old for the original blog. Yes, I mean, it, but like, recreationally, neither oh. of us had seen this film. Yes, yes. There's a better Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan movie out there. <laughs> the thing that hit me immediately was how long ago this was because everyone looked so young. Yeah. And I was like, it's young Tom Hanks. It's young Niles from Frasier. But yeah. then the weirdest part was young Victor Garber. There were a lot of gay men with wives in this film. <laughs> I just think that Victor Garber is like permanently like kind of grandpa age to me. <laughs> and I was just unsettled to see him as Tom Hanks's semi-youthful pal. Oh, he wasn't Tom Hanks. Oh, no, he was Tom Hanks's self. Uh, I think it was like Tom Hanks's brother-in-law. Oh, maybe. I mean, he was married to Rita Wilson, which I was like, that's a bit. Did they meet on this, I wonder? I have no idea. Anyway. So would you like to summarize the film? Uh, sure. It won't take very long. Normally I jot some notes, but it seemed unnecessary. Tom Hanks is a widower. His wife has died of cancer, and he's left with a young son 
Jonah, who I did not look up the actor's name, but the little Amazon thing on the side said Ross something, I think. Did she die of cancer? Yes. Uh, Well, I assume so because there was a part where he was like kind of throwing out business cards that people had given them and one of them was like a cancer support group of some kind. Oh, I wasn't sure if it actually was cancer, but uh, because they never really like tell us what happened. But that's okay. I wasn't sure where Meg Ryan lived for half the film. Oh, did you not see the little thing that said Baltimore? Evidently not. Oh, clearly. Okay. Also, I was confused because they were visiting her family and that... Okay, wait, but back to the summary. Tom Hanks is a widower. His wife has died. We think of cancer. And his young son, Jonah, is really keen to find him someone new because he's very sad. And he writes into a radio show. And Meg Ryan, a total stranger far, far away, hears this and becomes obsessed and sends a letter, even though she is engaged to another man. And then the child, in turn, becomes obsessed with her letter. And they arrange to meet on the Empire State Building on Valentine's Day, like completely against Tom Hanks's will. And they also have some kind of like weird cosmic run-in where they like look at each other and feel something. But they do not speak until they meet on the Empire State Building, apparently to spend the rest of their lives together. And that's the end of the film. Uh-huh. Happily, it wasn't long. It was a real downer of a movie for a lot of it. I felt very sad um, for Tom Hanks. I mean, well, for the last, like, year or so, I've, like, watched stuff with, like, spousal death, like, a little differently. Um, and I hear that happens, too, with people who, like, end up having kids. Like, they're like, oh, no, suddenly, like, kid, like things where kids go missing or kids die is, like, really bad. Or, like, even worse than they were before, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I was suddenly like, oh, no, like, this is terrible. I'm really sad for him. Like, I understand. Like, this, is, this would be awful, right? But I was also like, it must be a new level of sad sackness if your eight-year-old son is suddenly like, I got to call it to this radio station to, to ask this lady about, like, what to do because my dad is so depressing. <laughs> I was really sad when he had that nightmare that Tom Hanks was like by his bedside and the kid was like, I'm starting to forget her. I was like, ah, because the the kid's like eight. So he was like six or so when she died. And I was like, that's really sad. Yeah, I I mean, it's it's the movie is a downer for a large portion. There are definitely comedic bits and jokes, um, but it does. It's a heavy subject matter. Uh huh. Um, can we can we please discuss how Meg Ryan is a total crazy person in this film? Yes. Let's like, discuss that. Like, inappropriately crazy. Is, is there more to say than that? Let's really emphasize this for a listener. She hears his story on the radio, along with, I don't know, thousands of women across America who become all become obsessed with this, like, widower <laughs> from Seattle. And they write, like, a bunch of mail. And so he starts getting mail from, like, all these women, like, professing their love to him. And he's like, what the fuck? And As Meg, would I. Yeah. And Meg Ryan, meanwhile, like, can't stop thinking about him. And is, like, telling her best friend, Rosie O'Donnell, that, like, she can't stop thinking about him, even though she's engaged to a man who's allergic to everything. Like, to be fair, I would also look for someone else. My eye would maybe stray. And... <laughs> Okay, so here's the thing. At first, it's like the movie is trying to tell us, well, she's not crazy. She knows that this is crazy. Like, they lampshade her craziness. But then she proceeds to, like, background check this stranger. Yeah, so she works as a reporter at a newspaper in Baltimore. And she, 
she starts like running like checks using her resources on him and i was like oh no you're now abusing your job to like get personal information on tom hanks she hires a detective in seattle to track him down and then she proceeds to lie to her fiance about where she's going and flies to seattle to try to stalk him Yes, indeed. That is what happens. She even like creepily like watches him and his son. And like the only reason she gets deterred essentially is because she sees him like hugging his sister or someone, Rhea Wilson. And she is like, oh no, I've made a mistake. Like that's his girlfriend. He's really into her. She knows, by the way, that he has a girlfriend or like that he's seeing someone. And she's like, oh no, he looks too into her. I must leave. Which I feel is a hilarious thing to have stopped her rather than the fact that she is engaged. Yeah, it's it's like the engagement like matters like not at all. She does like have she, like she she basically spends this whole time kind of being like, what am I doing? I love Walt. Uh, do ya? Yeah, no, like, I don't think you love Walter. I mean, I wouldn't love Walter either. I mean, fair enough, girl. But like, it's such a casual level of like concern. Like she's thinking about it constantly, but not in a way where she seems say racked with guilt. And Walter's so nice about it when she breaks things off with him. I know. I was like, ah, justice for Walter. I know. Justice for Walter. Although truly, I was very confused by his allergy situation because it seemed like he was allergic to whole wheat bread, but not to white bread, but he was allergic to wheat. White bread has wheat in it. I don't think they really, I don't think Nora Ephron really thought this through. Can we also discuss that the reason Walter and Meg Ryan meet, according to them, is because they mixed up their sandwich orders, right? One, like Walter Uh ordered like white and uh, Meg Ryan ordered wheat and they have to meet to like switch them back. They both ordered lettuce and tomato sandwiches, like sociopaths. There's nothing else on these sandwiches. There's lettuce and tomato. At that point, have a salad. What was even the point of this? That's disgusting. Can you imagine how wet that sandwich is? Ugh. Oh, no. I simply cannot imagine eating this as a sandwich, but I suppose people do. They are both psychopaths who deserve each other. There's no indication that they're vegetarians. No, because they're talking about serving, like, cold salmon at the wedding and stuff. Mystery. Yeah. I also would like to say that after we finished this movie, I was like, wow, this film is like white privilege personified. Like everyone in the film is white. She gets to go up at the Empire State Building, even though like she's like, even though they're closing, probably because she's white. What year was this? Like 1991, 1992? I don't know. Yeah, somewhere around there. 1994? I have no idea. Okay. I was like, it was very early. And I enjoyed uh, Jonah's little friend's clothes. Oh, yeah. Because I was like, this is a mid-90s outfit, girl. These, like, marbled leggings. He has a very devious little friend. He does. Um, I did enjoy that he was like, ah, the struggle of modern dating. Because, you know, I was like, this movie's so dated. I know. They were like, oh, good news. You can now split the check. And he was like, I can't imagine letting a woman pay. Yeah, that was very funny. When I was watching this and Rosie O'Donnell showed up, I was like, oh my god, I totally forgot that period of time in the 90s when Rosie O'Donnell was in every movie made. Indeed. Um, She's everyone's friend. Yeah, exactly. There was one scene where Meg Ryan and Walter were like kind of doing something together before bed. He was like cleaning something. I was like, what are they doing? Oh, he's cleaning the humidifier. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I was like talking about, yeah. Another question. 
Why is it that on the eve of their engagement is when he is evidently meeting her family for the first time? Yes, I also wonder that. I also am of the attitude that it's, I don't know, it seems like a bit of a risk to announce your engagement to your whole family when your family has not yet met your partner, just as a whole. I was, that was why I got confused because I wondered if she lived really far from her family and that was why. Like I was trying to rationalize this choice. No, I don't, I don't think so. I think they live in the suburbs of Baltimore and she lives in Baltimore. And, but, but the confusing thing about this was that she had clearly met his family because she was saying to her mom, like, you'll love them. They're great. I was a little confused about this. I originally thought that maybe her parents had met him already, but then it seemed like they hadn't met. No. So I was like, oh, she is introducing him for the first time. Movies are always doing this. Like, they're like, here is my boyfriend. By the way, we're engaged. And everyone's like, how exciting for you. And I'm like, is it exciting? You don't know this man. He could be a killer. Correct. Like, I feel, but also because in movies, they're always bringing people home after like a matter of months. Yes, I, I too, I, I wondered how long she had been seeing Walter. Yes, it's like, oh, seven months ago, we met at the sandwich cart, and now we're engaged. Yeah, it just seems a little hasty. I don't know, back in these, uh, back in, even back in the early 90s, people were always rushing to get married. I know. Before their eggs all shriveled up and died or something. Maybe they were worried about Y2K. <laughs> Maybe. It was a while away. <sighs> I don't know. Speaking of things that were dated, I was like, I don't know that we should go rampantly calling Tom Hanks's unknown girlfriend a hoe. Oh, yeah. They were really into the word hoe. I was like, this terminology is very out of date now. Yeah. Also, when Rosie O'Donnell had some line about, like, oh, he could be a transvestite or something, and I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. I, I mean, I missed that one. Back in the early 90s, you know, like, this wasn't no, really a thing true. people thought about. Yeah. But, I mean, we've moved on for the better. Indeed. So, you know, like, the whole movie they're talking about, like, so they keep referring to An Affair to Remember, which is this, like, older movie that all the women in this film apparently consider extremely romantic. And while they were, while Rosie and Donald and Meg Ryan were, like, watching it for the first time, or, like, watching it in the film, Alex paused the film and then turned to me and proceeded to spoil the entirety of An Affair to Remember. Like, maybe I would have wanted to see this movie, but I guess not. But then later in the film, I guess they kind of spoil the end for you anyway. And I was like, I guess no one who watches Sleepless Seattle could possibly go watch An Affair to Remember after this. I feel like there's an assumption that the people watching Sleepless in Seattle have already seen Affair to Remember, but I just don't think that's the case. Well, maybe that was the case in the in the early 90s that all women, white women of a certain class. I was going to say. Yeah, like have all loved and seen Unaffair to Remember. I'm curious to watch this movie, but now I know the twist. I mean, I would still watch it. Cary Grant. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I don't know if it's like the ultimate romantic film, but sure. Yeah, I sense it's going to bum me out much like this film. <laughs> yeah. Um, so at what point in the film did you realize that they were not going to communicate at all? I think I had thought that they would begin a letter correspondence. I had, like, misremembered the plot. And then I feel, I don't know, like, there was a halfway point where I was like, oh, maybe not. And then I was like, oh, no, it's just going to be a thing where they pass, like, ships. And then I, I think maybe around 30 minutes from the end, I was like, oh, okay. So they're just going to meet up. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I do see that Nora, Nora Ephron decided to make another movie 
about two strangers and mistaken and and things like that and but that they actually get to know each other first which is kind of nice so clearly after sleepless seattle she was like made a mistake need to remedy this gonna write you've got mail Perhaps, perhaps. And she was like, you know, they're cute together, but wouldn't it be nice if they ever spoke? Yes, yes. Of course, this theory does not hold up if it turns out that You've Got Mail came out before Sleepless in Seattle. I am not sure. I'm fairly certain this is older. I think so, too. Because Jonah's mom's funeral was in 1991. But also, I'm just pretty sure Sleepless in Seattle is older because You've Got Mail feels closer to our lives. Like technology and stuff, like radio versus AOL. Yes, you, you've got mail is 1998 and Sleepless in Seattle's 1993. So it does hold oh, up. Oh, good. Yeah. I was going to say, like, I feel like you've got mail is closer to the 2000s, but then it felt like too old. But OK, 98. I would have guessed like maybe 96. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. So that 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 does hold up. She was like, all right, I'm going to let these two. OK, but that also makes sense because Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan both look older and you've got mail. Yes, they look super young in here. Yeah. like babies. Meg Ryan looks so young in this movie. I love Meg Ryan. Young Meg Ryan is so cute. She's a good little face. I know. She's adorable. Tom Hanks is a horrible haircut, but what can you do? <laughs> By the way, in that scene where he goes into work after everyone in the world has apparently heard him on the radio, I and like everyone in this housing site is just like telling him about like how they heard him and like what they feel and how sorry they are i was like i would just throw myself out the window right about now from embarrassment i would just duck and roll and be like all right i'll take my chances with oncoming traffic wouldn't you think though that if you were these co-workers you might have the decency to keep to yourself that you heard him talking about his personal life <laughs> Apparently not. Everyone is just so like, let me offer you my, you know, all the single women I know. I guess they were already very concerned about him post his widowing. Oh, wait, but no, because now he's moved to Seattle. So this is not the people at home who were very concerned. Yeah, he literally moved from Chicago to get away from all the sadness. (laughs) It did not work. It came with him. Here's the thing that confused me. I thought for a while that maybe Meg Ryan lived in Seattle, lived in Chicago. And the reason I thought that was because I was like, how widely are people listening to this one radio program? Apparently. But here's the thing. I, I, I don't know. Like in the early 90s, this could have been possible. Like, I, I don't know. But like this radio program was based in Chicago, right? I Yes, she was based in Chicago. And so like, I guess that's why Jonah was familiar with it. I don't know. I just wonder if it was like a widely listened to radio show and he like heard it or something. I don't know. Perhaps. Yes. I did have a little heart attack, though. I did not realize Jonah was going to get on that plane alone. Oh, yeah. When they hatched their little plan, I was like, oh, no. And then when he was actually doing it, I was like, oh, no. I didn't know that that was a thing. Yeah. I think I thought that he somehow tricked his dad into going to New York with him. I mean, he did. (laughs) Well, yes, but originally, I think, because, you know, like, both of us, I'm sure, semi-knew the plot of Sleepless in Seattle. Yes, yes, I had some idea. I had kind of forgotten, but I knew, like, they met somewhere, so, like, but I, I, I had not realized it was the Empire State Building and, like, blah, 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 blah. I knew there was, like, a child who, like, made mischief. Yeah, like, all around, there were some, like, decent jokes, I felt. Um, I thought the bit where, like, Tom Hanks and Victor Garber kind of make fun of Rita Wilson for her like crying over an affair to remember and then them crying themselves over some like stupid like I don't know action film was very funny 
I did enjoy that scene. I also enjoyed when Tom Hanks and the kid were brushing their teeth and talking about sex. And he yep. was like, would you have sex with her? And he was like, uh, hopefully. Um, and then whatever happened after that that I now forget. Oh, him just being like, basically like, my friend has cable. That's how I know. And I was like, oh, oh yes. cable. Yes. And Alex and I were both like, well, you're no longer going over to Jed's house. Uh, yep. I did like also when he and Jessica were in that chair together. That was cute. And then Tom Hanks like being like, I'm just going to leave the door open. I was like, I mean, they're eight. They're eight. No, my other thought was, why is your eight-year-old home alone with another eight-year-old? Just in general. There were there were other concerns. You know what I mean? It's like a latchkey kid situation. Yes, but he hired a babysitter for him when like he was going out for the night. True, but maybe like in the daytime, he's less concerned. Maybe. That's true. I liked his Tom Hanks's house situation. That was very nice, except he seemed like to be right next to a slip, which I feel like would be loud. Was it a house or was it a houseboat? No, it was definitely I- a house. Yeah, I was just confused because when Jonah has that nightmare, he's like, I dreamt our house was sinking. Well, it is, does seem to be on the water. Yes, perhaps. Perhaps he's just nervous that something will happen to him, like in, was it the Netherlands? Oh, yeah, maybe. Venice? Well, I thought of that too, but it's there's definitely like a country where this is a big issue. Yeah. It, it did seem like the house was built onto the water, but it, I think it was a house and not a houseboat. Okay. So what were some of your uh, worst lines from this film? I don't know. Um... Every time they talked about magic, I did not love. I didn't mind, like, I liked Tom Hanks talking about, well, like is strong. I didn't mind Tom Hanks talking about him falling in love with his wife. But then Mm -hmm. the overall motif of that, I I was not wild about. And Meg Ryan's little flight of fancy. Although I will agree that she clearly does not love Walter in a meaningful way. Um, I found Walter's whole gag a little tedious, but like at the beginning... Yeah, me too. Um, but I think that's also because this movie's so old. Yeah, yeah. Or you're I like, so I don't want to watch this joke. Yeah, I, I just, I mean, there's just nothing really to it, you know? I'm like, I get it. Walter is a literally drippy person. Oh, no. And yet, turned out to be so nice. Like, I thought he was going to be more boring. Like, it was interesting watching them kind of walk around and, like, agreeing on stuff. And I was like, this is nice. This is good. Yeah, when they were walking around registering, like, like China sets for their wedding, I was like, oh, they actually agree on a lot. Like, she would have had a fine life for with him if not for this, like, listening to this Tom Hanks situation. Indeed, she does seem to be throwing away a functional relationship. (laughs) Yeah, for maybe nothing, like, this relationship with Tom Hanks could dissolve in, like, a matter of weeks. I was, and she seemed previously happy. Yeah, that's one ending, right? Like, she leaves the Empire State Building, she and Tom Hanks have amazing sex, and then she and him can't make out, can't work out the long distancing, and they end the thing in three months, and she's like, hmm, wonder what Walter is up to. Like, I've made a huge mistake. And you have. Like, she had that whole thing where she was like, surprises are overrated. Um, and I was like, that that might be true, though, girl. Yeah, I feel like if I feel like most people don't want to be constantly surprised in their relationships. Rom-coms are so like, oh, this is the boring relationship where you already know everything that's going to happen. And I'm like, OK, like, that's mostly a good thing. Like, when you choose to marry someone, you should know most of the things that will happen. Yes. The, with them. The- the surprises that you should have are should be small and kind of fun and enjoyable, yes. never yes. terrible. You should never be like, every day with this person is a surprise. I know that's like a truism, but like, that would actually be awful. That would be very stressful for me. 
especially if the surprises were something like surprise i have a child from a former marriage you know surprise i'm seven hundred thousand dollars in debt yeah yeah and then in those situations i'm always like well i mean let's ask ourselves did did we do something here to get ourselves in this situation like we clearly did not ask people about themselves enough we clearly didn't do any marriage counseling before the wedding yep anyway not to blame the victim but a little bit blame the victim maybe you should know him better Oh, no. Um, Although sometimes you do read those random horror stories, like that person whose boyfriend was stealing from her persistently for, like, years. Oh, the one on This American Life? Yes. I mean, I didn't listen to this. I think you told it to me. So I assume whatever you're thinking of is what I'm talking about. Yeah, I think it's the This American Life episode where it talks about this girl who was like, oh, my boyfriend has, like, literally been stealing from me for years and years and years. He's pretended he's had a job this whole time. But really... He's been stealing money from me. And I was like, oh, my God, just murder him. I I think we would all agree that's acceptable. It's a remarkable scam, though, I must say. Yeah, I, I, I have to say he really pulled it off. The amount of time that he did this without being caught is quite incredible. In fact, he could have channeled all that into a job that he was getting money for. You'd think. I mean, I guess he was getting money for it, just in a different sense. Oh, no. (laughs) it's not good it's not good um okay i will say that my worst line was probably that rosie and donald transvestite thing that i was not crazy about i was not crazy about the many repeated uses of the word ho which sounded very weird in this film i was like was did this just become a thing was nora Ephron just excited to write about this i think so because i think there were a couple of things where they're like people are into this now and i was like good to know what was zeitgeisty in 1998 tiramisu what is that tiramisu was no tiramisu like the cake it's i thought it was a sex thing is it was he literally talking about the dessert yes he's talking about the dessert was it invented in 1993 no, I think it just like came to, oh, you were confused. No, it's because Tom Hanks has no idea what it is. So he thinks it's a sex thing. But his oh. friend his friend who's telling him about it is like, it'll change your life, meaning the dessert. Oh, okay. That's better. It's just about how Tom Hanks is so out of, like, out touch of touch. The world. I don't understand, though. When he was married, did they not leave the house? Like, was Tiramisu became popular in the last two years since her death? I don't know. I I guess married people in this time did not go out to dinner and get tiramisu. Tiramisu was only for people who are dating. Oh, okay. I see. I see how it is. Speaking of people who are dating, I see Tom Hanks is one of those people who is like, you cannot have a meal with someone on the first date. Oh, yeah. He's like, you can only have drinks. I mean, I think this is a stupid policy, but like, I also see his point. I, He's I read guess. that MSN dating article, as you yeah, say. Yeah. But in this time i guess you also basically asked a woman out if you like you know could stand the sight of her what do you mean well he was like she seems fine i guess we'll take her out for a drink and then you get to know her there i guess you're not reading like lengthy dating profiles or something although on tinder you barely see anything you're like oh he's posing with a tiger better swipe left but rob reiner was like and then you're friends first and maybe you kiss and like this could last for ages and i was like not the way tom hanks is doing it no but tom hanks remember subscribes to an older school of dating ah yes where he was like I gazed upon her at the sock hop yes. on the other side of the room. She was by the soda fountain, so of course we could not speak. But then I asked her out. Yes. Rob Reiner is saying, like, in the new modern way of dating, that, you know, you have to spend time getting to know each other, God forbid. I see. 
So in Tom Hanks's school of dating, Tom Hanks just asked the lady out if he can stand the sight of her. I hope uh, things work out better for Rob Reiner because he seems to have a better understanding of how our relationship might work. Yeah, I know. I I, I am hopeful as well. Um, Tom Hanks is, so the woman Tom Hanks dates for like a portion of the film Victoria, when they meet in the restaurant and she shows up in that pink suit with the giant bejeweled flower on on the lapel, I was like, this is the single ugliest thing I've ever seen in my life. And also she is laughing like a brain goat. Leave her now. Oh, Leave her now. Oh, no. She seemed harmless. No, she did seem harmless. She seemed totally fine except for her Janet-esque laugh. Although I have to say... Oh, it's Janice? It's Janice. It's Janice. Why is Jonah so down on her? Even Because she's not Meg Ryan. But no, but I think even before he becomes obsessed, like even before he gets her letter, I feel like he's just... Like, this one's not for you. Or do, is it? Is it after? I think it's solely based on the pitch of her laugh. Perhaps. It's possible that he's just like, I don't know. Fair enough, man. I, would, I too would be like, I don't know if I can live with this for the rest of my life. <laughs> okay, so we did best and worst. What else? Um, people of color, nary one. Nope. Nope. Like, like, not even any. Not even, like, a security guard in New York. Yeah, nope. like, no one. Okay. Um, as I said, Walking White Privilege, the film. Um, everyone's of a certain class. You know, it's... Yeah. It's... Any other thoughts about this film? No. In fact, we've had many more thoughts than I thought we would have. I will say that I actually found the ending surprisingly nice. I was not into the situation at all and didn't really care. But I was like, this is weird, but nice. It's nice. It's fine. Yeah, it was inoffensive because there was no like big flowery speech. Yeah. Um, I liked that they both kind of had the same sense of it. They both seemed calmish. Yes. You know, compared to Meg Ryan in the rest of the film. And yes. they both were just kind of like, oh, this is a thing. And that's a nice feeling, even though I was like, you know, nothing about each other. Yeah, yeah. I was not a fan of the situation, but I thought the way that they did it was actually kind of nice. Relatively understated. Yeah. So what would you rate this movie? I don't know. I don't know that I had a lot of feelings about them. I had a fair number of feelings about him and the kid. Um, as a rom-com? Not high. Five-ish? Yeah, I think I would give it a five. That's actually higher than I thought. Uh, what I would give it, but I didn't hate it. I wouldn't watch it again, but I didn't hate it. I was gonna say, I feel like when we're in the fours, they're usually, like, more ludicrous, whereas, like, this was very, like, dull. Yeah. Like, not dull, but dull. It wasn't so boring that I was like, ugh, let me die. It but... wasn't boring while I was watching, but yeah. I, I I don't necessarily feel any desire to ever rewatch it because there's nothing for me here. Yeah, it's just like, okay, well, now that's done. That happened. Yeah. For two hours. Yeah, I think I think five, five sleepless in Seattle's. Five complete and total strangers. Mm, five Meg Ryan running secret background checks. When do you think she break, brings that up in their relationship? Oh my By God. the way, I looked you up, hired a PI to track you down, stalked you across the country. Remember when you ran into me in the road? Yeah, that wasn't coincidence. Oh God. How do you think that goes down? Honestly, he's Based on this film, like, I, I guess they're fine with it? It's very weird. Yeah, who who knows? Um, 
Five out of ten lettuce and tomato sandwiches. Ew. Five out of ten poor Walters. Oh, poor Walter. And on that note, thank you so much for listening to Romcomathon. We're very excited to bring you special holiday programming uh, in the next few weeks. Um, so listen up for that. Uh, spoiler alert, we will be doing all of the Christmas Prince films. Um, so you'll be getting that. And uh, yeah. So please follow us on all our social media, uh, which you'll hear about in the credits, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you to Hannah Oatman, who composed our theme music, and Alexandra Oatman, who painted our logo art. You can follow Alexandra on Twitter at at Alexandra. Special thanks to Quincy Surasmith for advising us on the art of the podcast. Subscribe to his wonderful podcast, Asian Americana, at wherever you get your podcasts. Want more Romcomathon? You can read past reviews at romcomathon2016.tumblr.com and follow us at Romcomathon2016 on Facebook and Twitter and Romcomathon on Instagram. We look forward to hearing from you. Please subscribe and rate Romcomathon on iTunes. Thank you.